Thank you, Jesus. Whew. Thank you, Tommy and Sharon, for responding to the Lord. I think those were both right on, right on words from, from the Lord. So I appreciate that. Uh, why don't you turn to your Bible, says John chapter 4. We're going to go there for just a, just a few minutes this morning. We're going to just talk a little bit about worship today. You know, there's no probably no better um, description of worship than just full surrender. I mean, that's how you know you're worshiping someone <laughs> or something when you've just you've just surrendered everything to that person or that thing. That's 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 worship. Worship is is abandoned to and complete selling out to one thing or person. And uh, Jesus has an encounter and talks about so many things with, with a woman here in, in uh, John chapter 4. It's maybe familiar to many of you. Um, Jesus here is with his disciples and they decide to go through, uh, they go through Samaria. And uh, that doesn't mean much to us because it just sounds like a place. Uh, but to Jesus' disciples, it sounded like the, the worst directions possible. Um, there, there was a, a big issue back then with Samaritans and Jews. And there's a, there's a long history to it. Um, so I want to fill in that history. So Jesus sits down at this well, um, John chapter 4. And it says that a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I'm in verse 10. It's not on the screen. You'll have to use your own Bible. Um, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. In verse 19... Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. I'm going to stop there. 
I wasn't even planning to read the whole account, but I just decided to go ahead and read it rather than summarize it. So Jesus has this encounter with the woman. She's a Samaritan. They're in Samaria. Uh, What does that all mean? She says that last phrase there, um, the Jews claim that this, you know, you must worship in this certain place, but we worship on a different place. So brief history. So the Samaritans were once actually Jews in some way. They were a part of the people of God. The land of Israel was broken into 12 tribes in the Old Testament. This is thousands of years, you know, a thousand years or so before Jesus. And so there was one kingdom with 12 tribes. And so after King Solomon, there was David and then Solomon. And in Solomon's son, the kingdom was split into two. Ten tribes became the northern kingdom and they were called Israel. And two tribes... Judah and Benjamin became the southern kingdom called Judah. Now, both of them did not follow God with their whole hearts. And I know I've said this before recently. Maybe. Did we talk about this recently? Did I preach on this like three weeks ago? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I'm just going with what I I felt the Lord was, was saying to go with. And so, they disobey God. Quick story. And so the northern tribes, the ten tribes of Israel, are taken captive by the Assyrians. And then the Assyrians send a bunch of people into the land, and they had a few of them that were left, and they begin to intermarry and intersperse. And so they, the Assyrians brought their gods, and you had the nation of Israel had their kind of belief in uh, you know, Yahweh and all this stuff. And so through hundreds and hundreds of years... Um, they actually became their own group of people, and they were called Samaritans, and their you know capital was Samaria, and they actually they moved away from all the gods of Assyria and all the other things, and they they decided they were going to follow the one true God, Yahweh, but they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. The they, the, old, the Old Testament was the Bible back then, and so. They only believed in uh, the Pentateuch, the law, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they did, not, they did not accept the prophets or the Psalms or anything after those first books. Probably part of it was like it was a bad history for them, you know. <laughs> like all the kings of Israel, like Israel, and then they didn't follow God. And then there was Israel, they had another king, they didn't follow God, they didn't follow God, and then God took them away. So like, we're not even going to pay attention to that. <laughs> we're just going to try to pretend that didn't happen. I don't know what the reasoning was. Uh, I did not find any information on that reasoning. But over the years it morphed, and so they, they, did not, they chose to say, we're not worshiping Jerusalem, we've got our own mountain... So this is how we tie to the mountains and valleys series very loosely. And so there's the mountain. We're going to worship on Mount Gerizim. Okay? And so we've got our own place where we're worshiping God. So fast forward a few years. The southern kingdom is also taken captive to where? Babylon. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> right? Okay, you, you don't have to know that. Um, it's the first question into heaven. But um, <laughs> So they're taken captive by Babylon, 
And so they're, they're in captivity for a number of years, and that's where you get like the stories of Daniel, Daniel and the lion's den, you know, all this amazing stuff where you have this remnant group of people that follow God no matter what in the midst of a secular society, and they wield great influence, and they're used by God to proclaim the greatness of God to kings, and all kinds of amazing stuff happens in the middle of that captivity. Then when they're coming back, and Nehemiah, what, is going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? They're going to go back home? They sent word to their cousins, so to speak, the Samaritans. They said, hey, come help us rebuild the city and the walls and all that stuff. And they said, no. Fast forward another hundred or so years or a couple hundred years. And the Jews, they've rebuilt themselves, they've established themselves once again, and it's, they actually attacked the Samaritans and destroyed the mountain and the place, Mount Gerizim, where the Samaritans worship. So that's the history of Jews and Samaritans. You can say, why do these people hate each other? So They had a long history of ethnic hatred towards one another. And so when Jesus says, hey, we're going to go this way, and we're going to go through Samaria. And the disciples are like, uh, you know, there's, a, there's better parts of town. I don't, I don't really want to be with those people. And, and Jesus, you know, he never says, well, let me tell you about this. He just, he just leads people to confront their ethnic hatred doesn't he? He's not going to leave us in that stuff. Anyway, that's a, that's a different message. That's not for today. <laughs> I'll let Pastor Ashley preach that one. Um, so he leads them just, I mean, intentionally, Jesus is dragging his disciples to face their prejudice, to face their, their you know, personal judgment toward other people. And then Jesus gets there and he says, now go shopping with them. Without a mask. <laughs> it says Jesus sends the disciples into town. So they're on the outside of town and the disciples have to go into town with all the people they don't want to associate with and with whom there's this hatred towards them and the hatred comes right back at them. You know, Jews and Samaritans, it's like this, this thing going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so Jesus is just confronting this thing head on. And so there's this, but there's this confusion about worship for the Samaritans. Because they've, they've decided, hey, we're going to follow one true God. But we've, we've decided what goes for God and what doesn't go for him. Doesn't sound like full surrender. <laughs> so that's why the woman says, hey, I've got all this stuff. I mean, first of all, Jesus gets real personal with her. I mean, we realize that, right? That Jesus has a, a supernatural knowledge, a word of knowledge that, you know, she's currently living with a guy. She's shacked up with a dude. Uh, that she's had five husbands. Now, let's also know that a woman wasn't allowed to divorce at that time. So she would had a horrific life of rejection and pain, uh, and she is probably just, you know, just trying to make it 
but it's still wrong. But she's in a place of brokenness and Jesus has mercy on her and he calls her out on it. And then she changes the subject. Have you ever had somebody do that with you? Where you're like, hey man, we're going to talk about this. I think God's really dealing with this right now. And then Michael's like, man, did you really enjoy that cook-off? Man, that cornhole tournament was, was awesome, dude. I got you on that one. <laughs> hey, you know that scripture in Revelation? You know, the mark of the beast? Like, what does that mean? You know, can we talk about that right now? Let's just bring up something else. Cause, so she kind of she does that right here. She's like, hey, let's, let's talk about worship. You know that mountain? You got the mountain of Jerusalem, and we got the mountain here, Mount Gerizim. So uh, what's the deal with the two mountains here? You know, is it, is it one, both? Do we get to choose? Uh, neither. <laughs> and Jesus, he answers her and says this, verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one I'm speaking to you, I am he. And then it says that the disciples show up, and they're like, why are you talking to the Samaritan woman? And they ask him, do you want something to eat? And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of God. I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> and the disciples, are, they don't even know what's going on. They're like, why are you talking? To, what, is, what is going on, Jesus? I mean, we don't understand their confusion, but it's like he is like taking them, like this is not their plan for God's life. <laughs> oh, don't we have a plan for God? Um, so then it says that this woman went out and she went to the whole town and said, come and see the one who told me everything I ever did. That was her evangelism message. This guy will tell everything you've ever done. You're like, that's not good. <laughs> Why are you happy about that, right? I mean, <laughs> think about that. Jesus knew everything she did, yet it changed her life because she knew she was loved even though he knew. That's freedom right there. When you can be fully known in all your weaknesses and failures and brokenness, and you can be free to share it because you know you're loved. You know that someone greater than your failures has showed up. You know someone greater than your past has showed up. You know someone greater than the, the river or whatever is standing in front of you, the challenge you're facing, that someone greater than you loves you and is with you. And so she has all this stuff. But, but I just want to talk a little bit about worship, you know. Um, sometimes we just, we throw that phrase around and... You know, we cannot dis discover this in, in one week, so we're just going to pull a few things. But it, there's a few key things about worship that Jesus does answer this woman with. 
And he starts with a phrase that I think is, I've skipped over many times reading this passage. First of all, as a former worship leader and, you know, who's been a worship pastor, uh, if you don't, if you're on a worship team, you don't know this scripture, uh, you need to learn it. <laughs> this is like the, the worship, one of the worship scriptures in the Bible that you pull out. I mean, that in Revelation 4 and 5, you know, with, with the picture of heaven and Jesus being celebrated and everybody going crazy. Uh, that's like, oh, this, that, that's it. But I've never seen this phrase before and never noticed it, uh, that Jesus redefines who that she's worshiping. Because she says this, or no, he says this, excuse me. There's a time coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Neither the Jews nor Samaritans would have referred to God as Father. Neither of them would have understood. I mean, Jesus over and over again is redefining who God is. I mean, because he shows up and says, hey, here's how we're going to pray. Let's pray like this. Our Father. Right there, that would have shocked them. Because they would have not thought they could get that close to God. So, first, Jesus redefines worship by redefining who God is. That He is, in fact, Father. That He is, in fact, somebody who is good. That He is, in fact, someone who who we can draw close to. Because their, their view of God was kind of far off, especially the Samaritans. They would have been like, yeah, we're, we're going through all this ritual and motion, but I mean, through the motions, but it, it was kind of this, you know, it was a mishmash of all this stuff, and they were missing half the revelation of the Old Testament. It's kind of like taking out half our Bible. What if we removed like half our New Testament? What if we're like, if we took out the book of Acts, and that would be a bad one to take. Well, definitely can't take that one out, right, Tommy? <laughs> you, know you're, you know you're spirit-filled when I say take out the book of Acts, and you're like, no! <laughs> I mean, if we took out half the New Testament, what we'd be missing half of the revelation of who God is. Half of the good news of the gospel. What if we took out half of the stories of the miracles of Jesus? Half the teachings of Jesus? And we're like, we didn't get, what if we took out, we cut the Sermon in the Mount in half and said, you know, we've only got half of that thing. So they were operating on a limited revelation of who God was and who God is. And so Jesus has to, first of all, redefine, look, God is, is much bigger and much closer than you think. He doesn't diminish God. He's not bringing God down to our level. He's bringing us up to a closer level with Him. And so He says, first you'll worship the Father. You know, when you're worshiping God, there's, there's a part of it that's intimacy. There's a part of it that, that's closeness. There's a, there's a part of it that's... Uh, that's family-like. I mean, there's also, of course, a part of it that's there's majestic and holiness and 
and awe and wonder and like, whoa, it, it's all involved. But we're, we're worshiping all of who God is. That he is the father, but he's also the savior. That he is uh, the redeemer, he, but he's also the judge. All of he, who he is, when we worship, we're worshiping God because when we begin to define worship, it's no longer worship. When we begin to define how we worship or who we worship, we're just like the Samaritans. We're saying, we're taking out this part, I'm going to leave this part, and we're gonna, I'm going to do it this way because this is the way I want it to be. Now, of course, worship is more than just singing songs, but many times we refer to it, you know, we say, we're going we're gonna to enter into worship. And look, it's just church thing. We're not, we're not blaming Felicia or Pastor John or anybody that says those phrasings. But, you know, worship is not just about a place either. That's what Jesus redefines as well. He says, look, it's not about the mountain. He's like, that, that's all changing. It's not, he, he knows, Jesus knows what he's going to do, right? He knows he's going to die on the cross. He knows he's going to be dead. He knows that the veil is going to be torn from top to bottom in the temple where the only true worship of the Jews was happening at the time where the presence of God was that the, that the veil between the Holy of Holies and the, the holiest place, the other courts of the temple was going to be torn, symbolizing that the presence of God and worship of God and closeness with God was now open to everybody, not just one dude one time a year. But it's no longer about place. Sometimes we, we kind of lean back into the Old Testament, right? And I know I'm going to get on my little high horse here just a little bit, okay? Just, just relax. Everybody just relax. <clears throat> Ashley's not in here. <laughs> I'm going over here. Felicia subs in. And tells Ashley everything I say. Um, it's in her job description. Um, <laughs> we sometimes, we turn worship into just a place. Don't we? Hey, don't do that in church. I just turned worship into a place. I just went back to the Old Testament. Don't do that in church. In ch like what? In where? Right here in this building? Like, I have to act different in this building than I act out there? I'm now in the Old Testament. It's only about a place, not about a relationship 100% all the time. If I'm in a family relationship with somebody, it doesn't matter what place I'm in, I'm in the family. I represent the family. When I give someone my last name, I am telling them, this is the family I'm a part of. When I identify myself, I am identified with my family. Not just because I'm in a certain place. Not because when I'm in my house, I'm in my family. No, because of who I am. And worship is the same way. Worship is not meant to be about a place or just an event. It's meant to be about a family and a life. Because Jesus says, look, it's not on the mountain anymore. You don't have to go to the special place anymore. You don't, okay, if I just get it just right. <laughs> we don't realize how many times we fall in this thinking where we are 
we are trying to get to a place that God has already opened up for us. I mean, have you ever, have you ever like really had a, had a really bad, bad day? Like, and I'm talking about not just like, oh, I had a rough day at work. My boss was mean to me. I'm talking about like, you like really messed up. You did something really foolish and you, you sinned big. (laughs) And what do you do, right? Do you just jump right into God's presence and worship Him like nothing? It's hard. Why is it hard? Not because of God's side, because of our side, right? We've got a barrier up where we, think, where we think we have to work our way back into the presence of God, right? Where we have to like, okay, God, you, obviously you saw that. <laughs> Wait, did, did you see that? <laughs> obviously... You know what, what just happened. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't want, to, want us to confess sin. I mean, he, he wants us to confess it so we can be free. So that we're like, hey, look, I've, I've got rid of that. I am greater than that. The blood of my son Jesus is enough to cover you. Now get in my presence. You don't have to live on the outside looking in just because you behave badly. Because you have been changed, you have been bought with a price, that you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that you're a new person, come on in. Because we don't need to live as if we're on the outside. And that's what this this woman is saying. I mean, she's basically saying, look, I know, I know I don't belong. I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm not getting it right. You know, we've been, been told that by the Jews for hundreds and hundreds of years that we're, we're missing the mark and we're not good enough and we, you know, all this stuff. And Jesus is saying, look, that's not going to matter. We're clearing away the place to worship, but you need to come to the person that you're worshiping. It's not about getting through the ritual to do it right. It's about pouring out your love and your affection on someone who loves you. Someone who is worthy of our love and affection. And then Jesus goes on to say that a time is coming when the true worshipers will worship, once again, the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. That's the other thing we have to understand about God is that He is the one seeking worshipers. He is seeking people who are fully surrendered to Him. Who have laid down their lives and said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, to the very end. No matter what. Though none go with me, as the old song says, still I will follow It's easy to sing that. It's hard to live that sometimes, isn't it? You have to, sometimes when you're following the Lord, you have to, sometimes you're all alone. You find yourself that you're, you feel like you're out on the the island somewhere. You're like, where is everybody else? Though none go with me, still I will follow. And the great thing about this is God is seeking out worshipers. He's seeking him out in our, all over our nation, all over our world right now. 
Every single person, the Father is seeking them out. Why do I want to push them farther away from Him? Why do I want to put a barrier between, between them and God that doesn't need to be there? So it's not about a place. Worship is about a person the, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Now those two phrases, of course, are important. We worship in spirit. In other words, worship is always a spiritual matter. It's always spiritual to choose to worship God. Sometimes you, you worship God by just obeying Him. That, that's an offering of worship. It's just... You obey God. It's not about singing a song all the time. It's not about, you know, raising your hands. That's, that's all good. God loves that. He loves all that. But He would rather have you obey Him and not raise your hands than raise your hands and not obey Him. Uh-oh. I I know it's not totally true, but it's easy to raise your hands once you're you're used to that. (laughs) I mean, it's hard the first time. I still remember the first time when I was in seventh grade. Seventh grade. I'm at church, and I'm sitting sitting away from my parents, because that's what you do in seventh grade, I guess. (laughs) And I remember thinking, we're singing songs, and I'm like, I want to raise my hands to God. Again, it's not about that, but it was, it was in my heart. But in my head, here's what was in my head. My, in my head was, what are my parents going to think? <laughs> I know, oh my goodness. I mean, part of it could be seventh grade boy, Okay. That's some issues right there. Um, but there's always going to be there's always going to be a thought in your head, possibly from somewhere else, that's going to stop you from worshiping and obeying God. What would my parents think? Well, they would have been thrilled <laughs> that I'm worshiping God and responding to Him in a way that is appropriate to Him but is appropriate to what is going on in my heart. Because it's appropriate to lift my hands up unto the Lord and worship Him. Not as an act of religion, not as a, not as a ritual, but out of an overflow of my heart that says, I love you and I am surrendering my life to you, God, and I want to do that in everything. And if that causes me to lift my hands and to express that physically, then great. That's worship. But it's also worship when I'm on Tuesday morning and I know I'm supposed to do something and God says do this and I go ahead and do it. I am worshiping God just as much as I am on Sunday because it's not about place and it's not about time. It's about heart. It's worship in spirit. It's I am connecting myself 
to the spiritual realm. And in the spiritual realm, when we get a glimpse of worship in the spiritual realm in the scriptures, Revelation 4 and 5 is an example, there is everybody is honoring Jesus. And everybody is laying down all that they can before Jesus and saying, you are worthy. And I can say you are worthy, man, sometimes that's a harder thing, like I said, to just obey God, to just obey Him, to just go ahead and just love my wife and lay down my life for her and give up my preferences and say, I'm going to love her as Jesus loves the church. Sorry, guys, you got it today. And for those of you that are single... To lay yourself before God and say, God, in my singleness, I'm going to live a life of honor and purity and worship unto you. And it's going to declare the gospel of Jesus to the world. They can say, hey, you are not incomplete without someone else. I have Jesus. But that obedience, it's an act of faith and it's spiritual. Because worship is always spiritual. You might have to tell your flesh to do something. But it's an act of the Spirit. It's movement from the Spirit of God in, within us as His children. But Jesus also says you worship in spirit and in truth. You need both. You need both sides of the road in worship. Because if you veer off on either side, then you're going to get in the ditch. Jesus says, look, it's spirit and in truth. Yes, it's spiritual. Yes, there's emotion. Yes, there's passion sometimes. Yes, there's expression. But you have to be worshiping the right person. Jesus says, look, you don't even know who you're worshiping to the woman. Like You have confusion about who God is. If If you create an image of God in your life, what are you worshiping? You're worshiping an idol. You're worshiping the God that you've created by your own belief system. And so I can't create the God that I want for me to worship. I have to worship who God is and who He reveals Himself in His Word. That I have to, I can't take out, as the Samaritans did, I can't take out sections of the Bible and say, I don't really like that. (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm just going to tear that part out. Because I have to worship in spirit and in truth. An expression of worship that's spiritual but is not aligned to truth is, is not worship. It's just confusion. And so I have to get to know who is God? Who is God? Who is the one I'm worshiping? Do I have confusion about who He is? Have I changed Him into my image? Have I created a God who looks like me? And acts like me, and feels like me, and thinks like me? Have I created a God who I can understand and control?
I mean, that's what an idol is. I mean, we, we read, you read about in the Old Testament, it says they made idols. And it's really so silly. People are like, I made this, and I'm going to put it up somewhere, and then I'm going to worship it. But you, you, made, you made that. Like, like you, you worked that metal, or you chipped it away from wood. Or like, like you, you created that. But then you're going like, to act like that thing is special, and you're going to worship it. We, we laugh at that, right? It's just ridiculous. But we do that spiritually sometimes. We kind of form God in our image. We kind of ch- chip away the things that, that don't look like me. And we, we make Him palatable and what I want Him to be. And then we worship Him. And we're like, what have we done? We've just, we've just formed something with our own mind or our own thoughts. And now we're, we're worshiping a God of our own making. It's an idol. We have to be worshiping the one true God revealed in Jesus Christ. That everything he declared in his word is still true. That's why we need, we need the spirit and we need the truth. To know that we're truly worshiping God. You disconnect yourself from truth and that's how you get people who, you know during the week, live however they want, right? And then on Sunday, they clap their hands and shout hallelujah and dance with those who do, right? I mean, I know. (laughs) Truth is not defined by us. It's defined by the character and word of God. So I have to get to know God and I have to get to know His word if I'm going to worship in truth. But I need to not leave out the spirit. That there is something spiritual and supernatural. And there's the movement and leading of the Holy Spirit. Where I'm not locked in to just a ritual. Or something that again where I create my own worship. And way to worship through my own self. And my own perspective. And my own needs. It's how, we, how we've gotten into a whole thing in our, in our nation, I'm not going to go too far on this, I'll get really in the weeds here, we've created a whole thing about church in our, in our culture, where people go to the church they like, they're like, I didn't like the church, I, like I didn't like their music, oh, okay, <laughs> I don't really like that song, so I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I can't worship to that song. I love what somebody else said. I'm glad you don't like that song. That song wasn't for you. <laughs> song wasn't for you. That was for Jesus. <laughs> it only matters if he likes it. <laughs> but we've created this whole... Our culture is all about our personal preferences. How have we not created worship in our own image by having it all be about our own personal preferences? Anyway, I'm preaching to the choir because, you know, you don't do that. (laughs) And if you do, stop it, okay? (laughs) Stop that. Because it's not not about me. Worship, that's one of the biggest things is it's not about me. It's not about marketing. It's not about getting a name out. 
And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody or anything. I'm, not, I'm just trying to point at myself here. <laughs> that I have to stay connected to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God or my worship can go astray. And so I need those two anchors, worship in spirit and worship in truth. That is the kind of worshiper that my Father is seeking. And that's the kind of worship that other people will be drawn to. Because they're going to recognize a life that's an offering to God. They're like, why are you doing that? When you bring a sacrifice of praise and you obey God in something that's very difficult, that causes you personal loss, maybe financial loss, maybe relational loss, maybe respect loss, but you're like, I have to obey God rather than humans. <laughs> then people will take notice and go, now that's, that's worship right there. That's worship in spirit and in truth. And that's going to draw people. Not to a mountain, but to a person. So let's, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for continuing to mold and form our hearts, God. We thank you for the word of God that as we dig into it, we can, we can find the truth of who you are. Lord, we just pray for, pray for a revelation of you. Lord, right now, just any, any image of you, God, that we've, we've created on our own, we just ask you to make us aware of it. Lord, we, if, we have, if we've created some little kind of idol in our lives for who you are, God, we have changed you from who you've revealed yourself by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, then, then we just pray that you'd, you'd highlight and just remove that from our life. Tear down that idol. Lord, we just, we just say that we want to follow you, Jesus, and we want to worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. And so we want to live a life of worship that's an offering to you. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you for teaching us and leading us, God, that we don't have to have it all figured out, but we need to honestly surrender our lives as fully as we can every moment as we walk this earth until we take our last breath that we're going to follow you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, leaders, come on up. If you want prayer today uh, for anything that you have not received from God already, you need healing in your body, if you need salvation, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, uh, come up and see one of these leaders before you go. Uh, and if you need to talk about home group, you can see Felicia right over here and, and chat with her once she's done praying. Or
Fechou.